Good morning, friends. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome. Welcome to Regen, and welcome back to this season that we are calling, or that's known as ordinary time. As in, most of life happens in the ordinary, right? That's what we've been when looking towards, and, and how that spirit of Christ is intricately woven into the fabric of the seemingly small or mundane, or remember the, the micros, when we talked about that, that micros mustard seed in the first week. That same spirit or breath of God, that pneuma, right, that meets us in every up, and in every down, right? The psalmist says, whether I'm ascended into the heavens or made my grave in Sheol, there you're with me. Right? That spirit that's longing to create within us gardens that produce fruit, yeah? That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, seeds and, and gardens and that fruit that can grow in that sacred space in our own hearts, this is where we've been the first three weeks of this Pentecost season, this ordinary time. And in that same spirit, now we're going to go back. We're actually going to go back to a series that we began a number of years ago. It was a series where we were going through Pastor Tish Warren's short book titled Liturgy of the Ordinary. Right? Remember we were joking because it was the PB&J book too? Um, but think about this. Liturgy of the ordinary. We're in, we're in ordinary time, right? And so if you remember, if you were around and do remember, back in early 2020, we had gotten three weeks into this, maybe two or three weeks into this series, and it was somewhat interactive. And all of a sudden, the pandemic hit. And so we kind of shifted gears and we went in a different direction all the way until now, never to pick this series back up. And so for the rest of this summer, for this summer, this is what we're going we're gonna to focus on. We're going to pick back up, but we are going to start back at the beginning because it would be kind of weird to just all of a sudden launch into chapter four or into the, the fourth week without giving the base of the foundation of the entire series. So today, we're talking about liturgy, ritual, and what forms a life. Um, I believe this book is just too valuable for us to not come back to again simply because we started and stopped. And so if you were here back in 2020, simply consider these three weeks a refresher, if you even remember any of it at all. Because <laughs> honestly, when I was preparing for this week, minus the like making the bed uh, obvious illustration that we talked about that time, I didn't, it was, it, it was a lot of it was kind of new all over again. So let's pray and then, and then we'll dig into this uh, new series that we're going through. Christ Jesus, creator God and holy, holy, holy spirit, as we continue in this ordinary time, in this season of Pentecost, season of the church, would you give us new eyes with which to see the world around us? New ears with which to hear you and, and your word? New hearts with which that can line more with Christ's sacred heart, growing and producing that fruit that Jesus calls us to. And would you give us new hands and feet so that way we can take the liturgy or the service of, of this hour into the liturgy and the service of all the other hours of the week. Can we pray all these things in your name? Amen. So what's the first thing that pops in your mind's eye 
when you hear or you think of liturgy. Here at Regen, we, we talk about it quite often, but it may be a new concept for some, or at least a good refresher. What is, what is liturgy? I mean, this is actually not a rhetorical question. This was kind of part of that series when we started going through it. We were starting to actually have some dialogical conversation, and that's why we stopped it in the midst of an online-only service, because we weren't able to kind of dialogue. But what pops in your mind when you hear liturgy? Just, just yell something out. If not, I'll just sit here in silence for three minutes. What? Beginning? What other things pop in your mind when you think of liturgy? What's that? Internal song? Anything else? Liturgy related? What? The words in a service? Like an outline of a service? <laughs> Studying the word? Routines? We can try this one too. Um, by show of hands, what year were you born? So I heard a comedian once do that in a, in a bit, and I thought it was so funny I wanted to try it, and I just randomly threw it in there. So anyways, <laughs> liturgy at its core, um, is, 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 it comes from the Greek word liturgia, and, and it actually just means service or work of the people, but for the people, as in like us who gather, it's the work or the service that we do for the benefit and the beauty of, of us together, what we do here but then also at our, then it kind of affects our community at large. So i.e., what we do here, our liturgy, our service, our routine, basically, can help form what we do when we're not here. You know, in the liturgy of the service of our ordinary lives. So the series that we're going to go through, what it does is that she ties elements of the liturgical kind of basic liturgical elements of a service like what we do here at Regen, and then she ties it into different things in, in our life and, and different rituals that we have in life. And so a typical liturgical outline here at Regen, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but they are, you know, very crafted and very, you know, put together very um, intricately. And so it begins with an invocation, right? That's or like a call to worship, and we say every week, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun, yeah. Uh, it's acknowledging our source and the reason for our gathering. Like, why are we here? That's kind of why we're here. Then we have a moment to still ourselves, right? Psalms 46, be still and know that I am God. We sing. We read from the ancient texts that have been handed down, or we'll read a poem that's based on, you know, uh, some sort of biblical text. You'll see this word sing come in a lot. We do sing a lot. We sing some more. We contemplate our humanness, right? We confess. We confess communally, the state of our own hearts, and then lament the state of, of the world around us. Then we have another moment to be still and reflect quietly, kind of how that impacts us individually. Then we're assured that we are indeed God's beloved, that we are indeed made in the Imago Dei, forgiven and set through, free through Christ, through Jesus. Then we sing again, we pray together, usually in a way that sums up kind of where we're headed in the teaching time. And then we explore together as we are right now. A lot of these, uh, this ends up being a big chunk of our, of our time together, right? We do maybe, you know, 15 or 20 minutes or so of kind of, you know, it's not really dialogical. It's more of a monologue. It's a sermon. But then we do have some, usually 10 minutes then where we can go from head to heart with some sort of contemplation or a meditation that can allow us to then kind of push us out the door. Um, then we uh, break bread together in the Eucharist, right? We give thanks together at Christ's table for his gifts, 
for his grace, for the gifts of the sacrament. Um, we, we, we give thanks for the uniqueness of all of us, delighting in the uniqueness of all of us around Christ's table. Then we sing again. <laughs> then we end with the doxology, which brings us full circle back. Because think about this, the doxology is coming full back circle to the source of why we're here, why we're even gathering. And then we send each other out by, you know, may the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he bring you home rejoicing in, in the, the, the blessings that we say at the end. And so that's a typical Regen Sunday morning liturgy outline when we gather here. And, and, and my sincere prayer every week is that the liturgy that's created, these rituals that are created for us, would help us form the liturgy and the rituals of, of our ordinary life, our ordinary existence, each and everything that we do. So take, for example, making the bed. This is the one thing I remember from this uh, two or three years ago, is talking about making the bed. And so this one is by show of hands, okay? Um, if you want an opinion, a million opinions on something that really doesn't mean anything in life, ask about bed-making rituals, okay? So who makes their bed when they first wake up in the morning? Ah, like in the morning, let's just say in the morning. Like you're a morning wake-up person. All right. Uh, what about like me, right before bed? Can't get in bed unless you make the bed. Yeah, that's me. She'll make it in the morning, and then I will go remake it because it's just this weird thing that I have. Um, but then there's the third category, and this is actually pretty common, but it's, it's, it's who insists on, there's it, it, no point in making the bed. I'm just going to get into it and mess it all up again anyways. Well, that's definitely my boys. Now, believe it or not, I did look at a couple different studies. Now, these are just probably surveys that were taken, but guess what the most common one was in all three or four surveys that I read? No, they're making it before you go to bed. I'm not joking. That was actually a very common, that was the most common answer, which made me feel like I'm not actually crazy. <laughs> Maybe I didn't look at the right studies then. I don't know. But here's the point, though. We all have rhythms in our life, rituals that chart a course for how we do things, right? And so I want you just to think, this is now, this is a rhetorical question, okay? What is your morning routine like, right? Like we come in here and we go, oh Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you, right? We wake up, the soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory be to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Who's that cheerful when they wake up in the morning? What are the, your mornings like? Like, what is the very beginning of your day like? A lot of times, uh, you know, I'll do an examine, which is a spiritual uh, indignation practice where you go through your entire day and it starts off with the question, what was your mood when you woke up in the morning? How did you feel? Did you begrudgingly get out of bed or did you jump at it like you were excited to get to the day? So what is the very beginning of your day look like? Because this is where Pastor Tish begins in her book. And she says that the first thing that she did, so she's got two parts of this chapter where she talks about what she used to do and what she does now. And she says the first thing that she did upon waking was to check her phone. It was to check her phone. She had to catch up on all of her emails, text, social media, all before she even got out of bed. I'm going to read to you just a, a, a couple lines here from, from what she says about this practice that she was, this routine that she had gotten herself into. She goes, at that time, my typical morning routine was that shortly after waking, I'd grab my phone. Like a digital caffeine, it would prod my foggy brain into coherence and activity. 
Before getting out of bed, I check my email, scroll through the news, glance at Facebook or Twitter. And then she goes, my morning smart time routine was brief, no more than five or six minutes, but I was imprinted already. My day was imprinted by technology. And like a mountain cub attached to her humans, I'd look for all good things to come from my glowing screen throughout the day. So then technology began to fill every empty moment in the day. Just before breakfast, I'd quickly scroll through email, Facebook and Twitter again. Then again, an hour later, I'd ignore my kids' persistent calls for milk and snacks with a distracted hold on as I vaguely skimmed an article. I'd sneak in five minutes online as they're at lunch, and I'd return from an errand and sit down in the driveway with a car running, scrolling through news on my phone, and then I'd check my screen again before bedtime. Throughout the day, I fed on a near-constant stream of news, entertainment, stimulation, likes, and retweets. Without realizing it, and this is the big key, I had slowly built a habit, a steady resistance to, and a dread of, dun-dun-dun, boredom. So we tell our kids all the time. It's okay to be bored. We actually, there's a part of our brain that needs to be bored. And so basically what Tish did then, she said that what she did was during Lent one year. So try doing this one year for Lent or even actually try it now. But she put her phone in a different room. She didn't put her phone in a room where she slept. Then she made the bed. It doesn't, you don't have to make the bed. This is not like you still can be a nighttime bed maker like me. That's fine. But she made the bed and then she just sat on her bed. And she spent those five to ten minutes in just silence. And this is what she said uh, happened to her. She goes, so I banished my smartphone from the bedroom. My new Lenten routine didn't make me wildly successful or cheerfully buoyant as some had promised. But I did begin to notice very subtly that my day was imprinted differently. That the first activity of my day, the first move I made, was not that of a consumer, but that of a co-laborer with God getting ready for the day. Instead of going to a device for morning fix or instant infotainment, I touched the tangible softness of our well-insured covers, tugged against the wrinkled cotton, felt the hardwood beneath my bare feet. She says, in the creation story, God entered chaos and made order and beauty. She goes, just in making my bed, I reflected that that small creative act in the tiniest, most ordinary way. She basically says, in my small chaos, I made small order. And why was she able to make small order in her life as, as she put it? Because you see, most of our days and therefore most of our lives are driven by habit and routine. It's actually brain science, right? You can create a new habit within 14 or, or 21 days, right? You want to stop drinking? If you can get through the first 40, 14, 21 days, now it may, you may, it may be tougher and you have to, there's other things. But I'm saying if you want to eat healthier, you know, usually 14, 21 days, you can create that habit. And so we're all driven by habit. We're all driven by routine. And in actuality, there's nothing, there's actually nothing that we do in our lives that's truly neutral. Every single thing, every single decision we make is bringing us somewhere. Uh, James Smith, the author of You Are What You Love, he says it this way. Um, you Are What You Love is basically a more academic version of this Liturgy of the Ordinary book, if you want to take that next level up. But he goes, our view of the good life i.e. what we think we need for life to be good, is ingrained in us through repetitive practices. Practices that motivate how we live and what we love. And so think about it. We really are shaped every single day, whether we know it or not, by practices, rituals, and liturgies. That's what liturgy is, right? A routine, you know, that shape what we care about, shapes the things that we love and what we devote our time and energy too. 
Um, if you want something kind of scary, speaking about the phones, go look at that little screen time notice on the bottom there. You know, see how much of your day is actually imprinted and what is it that you love? Perhaps what you love more than anything is to be entertained on here. And so our liturgy on any given Sunday morning can help us. It, it, it can help us by leaning into a particular idea of the good life as, as told and demonstrated by Christ, right? Because then that one hour we go through these, li these liturgies, these rituals, these, these confessions, these, these assurances that we're beloved, right? These, these different prayers in the Eucharist sitting around the table. And we're going to go through all this stuff week by week uh, throughout this series. But then we're sent out into the week as people who bear witness to that dream and vision of Christ and his kingdom. Pastor Tish, by reaching for her phone each morning, was developing a ritual. She was developing a liturgy that impacted the rest of her day toward that of having to be entertained. And this is the last thing that I'm going to read from her, uh, from her book today. But she says that in examining my daily liturgy, she goes, by examining it as something that both revealed and shaped what I love and worship, it allowed me to realize that my daily practices were malforming me, making me less alive, less human, less able to give and receive love throughout my day. She said, changing this ritual allowed me to form a new repetitive and contemplative habit that then pointed me towards a different way of being in the world. And so in this series, um, for the rest of this summer, into the months of September, uh, just briefly, and then we're going to do something new in the fall, uh, we're just going to walk together through an ordinary day, right? We started with making the bed, which is not really about making the bed, but it's more about waking up, right, in the morning. Oh, Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. We started with the morning, and we're going to go all the way till going to bed. That's the last, the last, the last night of this is uh, Sabbath and taking a rest. And we're going to look at, at very common things that we do every day, right, like eating a meal or losing our keys. I think those are the two that we might remember from, from doing this a number of years ago. Common things that we do that are overlooked. They're things that we don't even really think about in our lives. And we're going to see how those intertwine with the things of the service that we have, you know, built into our liturgy here at at Regen. Uh, some of these rituals, the ones like her phone, may need to be changed. They may need to be habits that we can work on together to change, but others may need to remain and maybe even strengthen. So the point is hopefully we can be aware and we can notice the presence of the Spirit that is as close as the air that we breathe, as we say so often here, and so aware of how these different practices and routines and rituals and liturgies are shaping us towards our ultimate love. There's a lot more in this chapter of Pastor Tish's book. Uh, I'm going to invite Stephen and, uh, and Doug to come back up and, uh, and play some music. There's so much more even in this one chapter of Pastor Tish's book, and, I, and I'd really encourage you to grab a copy of it um, if you, if you want to be able to, get to, to, to dive deeper into it, or if you really want to dive even deeper, uh, the, uh, James Smith's uh, What You Are, What You Love uh, really gets more, uh, more, more, more into it. Um, but together this, this summer, let's listen and love the mundane. Let's pay attention. That's what we're kind of like trying to get to where we can pay attention to all that Jesus' spirit is doing um, around us. Stephen, you can start playing some music. Um, so what we're going to do is instead of a contemplative practice today, 
Uh, there will be some meditations and contemplative practices. Uh, we did Centering Prayer last week. Um, we're going to take a break from that today. Some of them will be incorporated throughout this, uh, this series in, as, as appropriate. Uh, but what I want to do today is I'm going to ask uh, my two kids to pass these out for me. Can you go on that side, buddy? And uh, these are uh, 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 reflections and practices that she puts in the back uh, of each chapter. I believe that's at the end of each chapter. And so I just want to talk through these, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll sing and we'll commune and we'll, we'll kind of move forward with our service. guys don't forget the middle the whole middle section right here there we go these are reflections and practices that she put at the end of the chapter and I do remember um, when I first read this book I think I read this book with Andrew um, a number of years back maybe three or four or five years ago and um, when it first came out I do remember doing these practices uh, back then I'm going to do them this week as well um, I think it'd be kind of neat if we all, you know, take these, uh, take these seriously and, and, and kind of look through them and see how our weeks are, are shaped and, 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 and formed and then even be able to come back next week and, and have conversations with people or, or maybe start trying this and then at our, uh, at our dinner on uh, Thursday night we can talk about this. But the first thing she says is write down a repetitive daily task in your life. I don't know if any of you journal or, or use a notebook. I, I do often. Um, it's not a requirement for anything. I, I do think it's a very helpful way to, if you don't have someone to talk to about stuff, to at least be able to write it down. But, you know, maybe, you know, take a piece of paper, write down one daily task in your, li in your life, something that's very repetitive, mundane. You know, maybe you wash the dishes, you know, three or four times a day. Okay, at our house, it'd be loading, the, and I'm still loading the dishwasher. Um, laundry. Right? Like these are the mundane things in life. Pick one of these mundane things, just one. Write it down, but each time you perform this task, you know, prayerfully ask God to show you the way it shapes you, right? So then journal about it or discuss it with a friend or, or, or a family member. Um, number two, and this comes into the boredom aspect, so I really want my children to listen up to this one. <clears throat> Number two, try and notice this week how you resist stillness and boredom. Carve out a few minutes of silence or stillness each day and just simply invite God into that time. I'll kind of add something on top of that. Perhaps use centering prayer like we did last week. You know, maybe find a sacred word, just one word, right? We talked about it last week, um, you know, ruach, numa. Uh, love, forgiveness, Christ, Jesus, God, breath, whatever, it want, whatever you want it to be, and maybe just sit there in stillness or silence in that centering prayer, and every time you notice your mind wandering, gently let that word kind of float back you know, into, your, into your heart, that garden of your heart. Number three, now notice the small moments of stillness in a day, waiting in a traffic light or for the coffee to brew, etc., and she says, embrace the moment for what it is, letting the moment remain empty and quiet. Uh, I'll kind of throw this one in there. I don't know if you have to go to the dentist this week or a doctor's appointment or anywhere where you have to wait in a waiting room. Um, I remember going, when I went through this, I remember saying, okay, I'm going to intentionally just sit in the waiting room 
completely quiet. I'm not going to read a book. I'm not going to look at my phone. That is what normally people are doing. You're, everyone's snapping away at their phone in the waiting room. And it was really interesting to notice how calm those five to ten minutes were going into that. And I still do that now to this day at the dentist or, or the doctor, just sit there and kind of people watch, I guess. Watch people on their phones. But um, not judging, well, maybe a little bit. But I, I, pr- I try not to. Because it's, it's hard. And then number four, this is the big one. Put your phone away for an extended period of time. He, she says a morning, an afternoon, or even a day. Can you think you could do a day? I mean, 10 years ago, we did every day. 12 years ago, maybe 15 years ago now. But um, she says reflect on it. Jo- reflect on the experience. Journal about it or discuss with a friend or, or a family member. I think the, the main point of what... Um, the main point of what uh, she's, she's trying to get at with these practices is basically to be more intentional, to kind of start to look more intentionally at the world around us, right, with these, these new eyes and new ears and hearts and hands and feet that we pray about every single week, that we would notice that presence of the Spirit that's as close as the air that we breathe, rather instead of grabbing for the phone or turning on the TV or, or whatever it may be that allows us not to have some stillness in our life. So let's pray. Uh, then we're going to sing a song, and then, we'll, and then we'll commune. Heavenly Father, Christ Jesus, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, would you help us this week to simply just be intentional? Intentional about the time that we spend with you, the time that we spend with each other, the time that we spend with technology, the time we spend outdoors, the time we spend making good food, the time we spend laughing with our family and our friends. God, we just ask that you would give us those new eyes, ears, hands, feet, and heart so that we we can push forward in this week through the liturgy of our lives. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.